0: live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do
1: nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding.
2: Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights.
1: I would rather see a congressional solution. It's
2: part of my DNA.
0: The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You
2: really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done.
0: This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
1: It's Mueller Monday. The fallout continues. Is it over or is it just beginning? President Trump says he feels vindicated. Democrats say not so fast. Attorney General William Barr already set to testify on Capitol Hill in just a few short weeks. But there's other developments. U.S.-China trade talks continuing to heat up. Secretary Mnuchin and Bob Lighthizer, the U.S. trade rep, over in China, while auto CEOs get ready to descend upon Capitol Hill. And Benjamin Netanyahu cuts short his trip to Washington, the Israeli prime minister meeting with President Trump just more than a week before his own re-election. All-Star panel, to break it down, Jason Miller, former senior communications advisor for the Trump campaign, now a communications uh, – now a, now a managing director, rather, at Taneo Strategy. And Varshni Prakash, she is the executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement, a, progr- a progressive socialist democratic organization – that is already shaking things up in the nation's capital. What a weekend it was. Uh, the, the fallout from the Mueller investigation and Attorney General William Barr's four-page letter that was sent to Congress made public yesterday afternoon still reverberating all throughout Washington. And, in fact, we're just getting new developments this afternoon that the House Judiciary Committee is set to hear from Attorney General William Barr. In the coming weeks, he will testify Publicly, This as scores of Democrats coming out within the last 24 hours, including 2020 presidential candidates, urging for the full transparency of the Mueller report to be made public. And President Trump at the White House earlier today speaking with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and we'll get into the developments on the, the, the uh, Middle East policy coming up later on in the program. But he actually says he would also like to see that Mueller report made uh, public, So it's going to be interesting to see whether the attorneys behind the scenes, all of the jockeying that goes on behind the scenes about whether or not ultimately this Mueller report uh, gets uh, gets released because, uh, you know, remember that vote just the other week, four hundred and twenty to zero in the House of Representatives, where Republicans joining with Democrats saying they want to see the Mueller report made public. Other fodder for you today, there was a a filing at the Supreme Court about a mystery company. Have you heard about this? A mystery company in the Mueller probe that the Mueller investigation wanted to have uh, subpoenas for a foreign uh, company that they do not name in the court documents. And ultimately, uh, this company tried to get out of it. But the Supreme Court says, no, you've got to cooperate. So all of this still circulating behind the scenes, but the bottom line, whether you picked up the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, or the Washington Post, front page across the nation, no conspiracy, no conspiracy, and just think. Of the headlines that could have been there with senior members of the trump administration as well as family members of president trump himself no new indictments that were wrapped up in this special counsel uh, uh as well and no conspiracy with russia i was at the white house earlier today we heard from uh we heard from uh special counselor to the president kelly and conway Uh, And and at one point, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders walked out uh, on the White House North Lawn and they embraced in a hug. I mean, it was really almost a – it was, not almost, it was a celebratory feel uh, amongst staffers at the White House this morning who largely felt that this cloud has uh, lifted uh, from – that has – that has really followed the Trump administration, even before the—I mean, the day after the election. Jason Miller was has been there really since the start. Uh, he was a, a a spokesman for the original Trump campaign. Now he's a managing director at Teneo Strategy. He's he's all in the inner workings of the U.S.-China uh, trade back and forth. We'll grill him on that coming up. But he's he's he was also on the the communications director for the Trump transition. So very in the know of Trump world, Jason. All right, so, I mean, we were we were joking, and before we got on air about about you know, I was saying, oh, now that this is kind of over, I don't have to live in fear of missing when the news comes out, and you were saying some of your friends don't have to live in fear of getting knocks on their door on Friday.
2: <laughs> well, exactly, man. I, I can't uh, overstate how huge this Mueller report and the findings are not just to President Trump, not just to government in Washington, D.C., but really to the country. When you think about the fact that the last two years – Everything has circled around this story and just as everything, everything, just as you noted a moment ago, what this report found, no collusion, no obstruction, no indictments. I mean, this last two years, this wild goose chase or the witch hunt or the hoax, as the president has referred to it. I mean, the fire festival had more legitimacy than this whole myth about uh, Russian um, Trump collusion or something this side. But I think there are a couple of important things to think about going forward. We actually now can go back to talking about issues that people care about as opposed to the swirling reports uh, in a number of news outlets. Uh, it was amazing. Had to go and actually retract reports over the cycle of reporting this and got things wrong. Um, BuzzFeed, McClatchy, not to go and, and point your fingers anyone in particular. But also, I, I think it's amazing that Hill Democrats at this point are unwilling to let it go. I mean, this re- report was pretty definitive
1: we 're going to hear from one of those uh, uh, members of the House Judiciary Committee coming up uh, a portion of my Bloomberg television interview with Congressman Jamie Raskin. He is a Democrat uh, from Maryland. Look, but there are a lot of Democrats and we 're going to hear from one in, in, in just a few minutes uh, who who are frustrated who who say, "Hey, wait a minute, on the issue of obstruction of justice, there are a lot of unanswered questions and on the issue of uh, uh, of no collusion we 're just getting a four page a summary document from a political appointee position. What do you say to that?
2: Well, I'd also let them know, and I'm sorry if there are children in the room who might be listening, but Santa's not real either. There was no, wow. okay. there was no uh. Russia-Trump collusion, and the fact that Democrats have wrapped their entire messaging around this for the last two years, I think really puts them in a bind. And not just Hill Democrats, but 2020 Democrats. And, and here's where I think there's an, an important decision going on right now in Joe Biden's head. Mm. Does he really want to go and jump in this race right now? He's not going to face a weakened President Trump The economy is doing great. We know Biden has not been a strong candidate on his own in 88 and 2008. Is this really the right environment to to get in? I'm fully in favor of releasing. I'm fully behind transparency, and I say we should get the full report out there. I understand if they have to go and redact a specific uh, person or company's name. I get that. But I say get the whole thing out there because it's pretty clear and definitive if former Director Moeller wanted to go and push forward with something on whether it be obstruction or whether it be on collusion, he would have said so.
1: All right. I'm going to redact something you said. Yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus, and yes, my godson, Peter Nicholas, there is a Santa Claus. Uh, moving on, uh, in terms of, what, uh, in, in terms of the, the political implications of this, I mean, it, it is quite fascinating uh, to, to watch all of the, the, sh- the strategy, so to speak, of, of everything. Uh, I, I want to play for you what President Trump had to say earlier today uh, at the White House about this. Here's, here's the president. Take a listen.
2: There was no collusion with
1: Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a Democrat from New York, formally announcing her 2020 presidential campaign in front of Trump Tower. Look, and, and, and there are many, many Americans who watched the developments of the last 24 hours and are and are shaking their heads uh, at minimum and saying that they can't believe it. But in terms of the pop, the, take away the, the partisanship in terms of the str- str- the strategy that we're seeing from Democrats moving forward. You alluded to so the former vice president, Joe Biden, who would without question be a top tier candidate should he cast his, his name into the race. What do you make? I mean, is this a debate that that you as Republicans want to keep having if the Democrats continue to hammer this? Well, I I think it's
2: uh, I don't understand the Democratic strategy in continuing to push forward on the the Mueller report and the Mueller investigation for the simple fact that it's been proven to be false. I mean, there there weren't any charges that were brought forward. As you said, there are no indictments. They're going to be they're going to be coming forward if. I think where President Trump and his allies, myself included, will draw a significant amount of attention toward over this next two years is the fact that so many in the media got this wrong over the previous two years, that the Democratic Party as a whole, that all of these 2020 Democratic aspirants for the White House got this wrong. So what kind of credibility do so many of these people have? And here's when I talk about – and Kevin, you made a great point about people at home wondering what does this all mean over the last 24 hours. If you're conditioned under a 24-7 news cycle to be thinking Russia and Trump and Trump and Russia over and over and over, of course people are going to have questions. That's why I say, uh, look, Robert Mueller was the hero to the left up until, what, yesterday afternoon? He was also and,
1: the enemy of the
2: president. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> and and now, I mean, look, if, if former Director Mueller went into a room full of congressional Democrats... Then they offered him lunch. I'd ask for a food taster. I, 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 he needs to be needs to be careful around those Democrats.
1: All right, coming up, we're going to dive much more into policy. And because I talked to a lot of Democratic strategists over the weekend, who said, "Hey, wait a minute, Kevin, we're not just talking about the Mueller investigation. We're talking about things like a Green New Deal, access to Medicare and Medicaid for all, as well as college education, and and, and a host of other economic inequality uh, policies that would fight income inequality." Coming up, Varsanyi. Prakash, she is going. She is a, a rising uh, Democratic uh, star. She is the executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement. That was the organization that helped organize a sit-in at Nancy Pelosi's office in November to promote. Have you heard of this yet? The Green New Deal, shaking up Washington. Jason Miller stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the SoundOn podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us at Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
3: You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
1: Such a great song for Mueller Monday. Matt Kearney crashing down. Welcome back, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. What a weekend. What a weekend. The fallout of Mueller. We were talking about that, but also major, major developments on U.S. Israeli policy. President Trump formally signing that declaration or that proclamation, rather, uh, with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House uh, earlier today declaring uh, formal recognition that Israel does have sovereignty over Golan Heights that, of course, dates back to the Six-Day War 52 years ago uh, that the U.S. has not formally recognized until today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu having to cut short his trip to Washington with President Trump as a result of the ongoing attacks uh, of an escalation in the Middle East between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Meanwhile, APAC also happening here in Washington, D.C., Uh, The politics, well, it's caught in the middle of it. Vice President Mike Pence addressing AIPAC earlier today, the uh, prominent lobbying organization in support of Israel here in Washington, D.C. No 2020 Democratic candidate uh, so far running for president is scheduled to attend. Switching gears, however, I want to come back a little bit to Mueller because we're joined now by a rising star within the Democratic Party, uh, a new activist uh, who's really been at the forefront and ground zero of the Green New Deal. She was one of the organizers. Remember this a couple of months ago after the midterms when a bunch of uh, um, organizers uh, had a sit in in the Speaker of the House or I I guess then the, the likely to be Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, demanding change. On Green New Deal, Varshni Prakash is the uh, is her name. She is the executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement. It's the organization that has really been at the forefront of pushing for the Green New Deal, which, of course, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York, has uh, has taken us as, uh, as her cause. Thank you for coming on. Welcome Thank to Bloomberg, you for having me. of Hello. course. So, what did you make? you just to Jason Miller. He is also the former uh, spokesman for the Trump campaign. He's still with us. We just heard from Jason about uh, his thoughts on the Mueller investigation fallout. What do you think?
3: Sure. Look, this is a conversation that has absolutely dominated our airwaves, dominated our conversations at the dinner table for the last two years, I think it's essential that we actually get full transparency and openness. Um, we've seen, you know, everybody fra- on the Democratic side from Warren to Republicans like Cruz calling for transparency and... and, and-
1: wait, wait, wait. So you agree with Senator Ted <laughs> I did it, Jason. I found an area. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are on your way home from work, I found a way in which a... A progressive Democrat agrees with Senator Ted Cruz. not to interrupt. Go I ahead. guess
3: this on yeah. this one thing, um, yeah, and 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 so you know I I think that there are continued conversations about the obstruction to justice. Um, you know, Trump may think that he's fully exonerated, but that is not what it, the, the papers actually say, and we need to see the full report. Um, so that being said, I also think, you know, just thinking about the way that this has all played out on the road to 2020, which is what everybody's laser focused on for the next two years. Um, a lot of folks, you know, both in the media, but also just generally have been discussing this, um, the, the results of the Mueller findings a, a, of the Mueller report as, uh, a, a blow essentially to Democrats on the campaign trail. Right. But I think, First and foremost, Democrats didn't need the Mueller report um, to win and defeat Trump in 2020. It was like Trump won, I think, with uh, 70,000 voters across three states and even just in the city of Philadelphia, over 300,000 voters stayed at home. Um, So I actually think there's a significant opportunity here. And
1: what you're saying is that Democrats are talking policy. So what are I mean? So when you hear that the the fight that not the fight but the, the 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 debate rather that's going on within the democratic party right now i mean you're you're saying hey wait a minute talk about these policy issues as opposed to you know the same old, you know rhetorical exactly. approach.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there are so many policies that are uh, there's a robust discussion about actual solutions to America's problems right now. You have things like the Green New Deal, which is trying to tackle this this these twin crises of both economic insecurity that many Americans face, along with the climate crisis, which we have known about for the last 50 years, and through political stagnation and gridlock, we have failed to actually do something about.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, look, since we're finding ways to agree here, I think that, uh, Varshney, I I think you should run for Congress because you would be a clairvoyant voice in the Democratic caucus uh, urging them to focus on issues and not the wild goose chase that we've had over the last two years. But uh, there are these policy differences uh, that we're seeing, and the problem for so many of the 2020 Democrats is that they've put those to the side and they've ignored them. So say, for example, uh, Cory Booker, who's someone obviously who I – would not be supporting for for office. But I think he launched his campaign on much more of a positive focus, trying to talk about what he's wanted to do. I think most of the other Democrats who've launched their campaigns uh, have run basically this Trump is a bad guy type message. I
3: I think that's partially true, but I think in many ways you've seen, you know, people like Elizabeth Warren putting out dozens of pages of policy. You've seen people like Bernie Sanders, who has decades of experience fighting on civil rights issues, calling for banning private prisons, for ending mass incarceration, Incarceration for improving lives and, and and creating economic security for working class Americans.
1: What, what about on trade? Because I, I found fascinating in the 2016 debate to hear Senator Sanders versus then Secretary Clinton or former Secretary Clinton going back and forth on, on something like NAFTA, where Clinton was mm-hmm. more of a centrist and, and Sanders was kind of that that not kind of that populist streak. Where do you where do you see trade the trade debate heating up in, in the primary?
3: Sure, you know I'm not a trade expert, but yeah. I think a lot of folks have recognized and grappled with the fact that. Um, Policies like NAFTA have hurt working Americans. This this system of globalized trade has moved a lot of jobs to other places. It has resulted in a system where corporations can move without boundaries, but people cannot. And thus it's, it's related to lots of it, – it's created a situation where lots of people don't have livable wages or, or access to health care or um, uh, have entirely lost their jobs. Um, so I think what we're going to see in this election is a lot of people being – Partly because of 2016 being more attuned to the needs of working class Americans and I think working class Americans and I think Bernie Sanders has actually set the tone.
1: All right. Coming up, we're going to talk more about that trade policy because it's something that the White House is also banking on. And there's 70,000 voters in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, a Michigan, where President Trump is headed later this week. Uh, really. That's the debate, folks, right there on the issue of trade. Who do they believe? Do they believe populist Democrats or do they believe and trust President Trump that the NAFTA 2.0 or USMCA that's being uh, renegotiated or has been renegotiated and is up for debate uh, in this Congress in the coming weeks and the U.S.-China trade deal? Who will those working-class voters believe? That is the debate. Uh, Perhaps, perhaps – Even more so than the Mueller fallout. Panel stays. uh, Varshney Prakash. She's the rising Democratic star, executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement. You might have heard of their policy du jour, the Green New Deal. And Jason Miller. Trump Insider and Managing Director at Teneo Strategy. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg
0: 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. This is
3: Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7
0: FM HD2 Baltimore. Israel has been blessed to have many friends who sat in the Oval Office. But Israel has never had a better friend than you.
1: That was Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu speaking to President Trump earlier today at the White House. President Trump announcing that the U.S. will now formally recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights region. This predates back 52 years uh, since uh, Israel has declared that they have authority over the Golan Heights uh, region. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu cutting short his trip to the U.S. because of escalating tensions between Israel and Palestine. Uh, He, of course, is also facing a corruption probe. uh, And in just over a week, he is up for uh, re-election in a neck-and-neck race. President Trump enjoys incredibly high popularity ratings in Israel. Uh, So it will be interesting to see how, if at all, this week's trip uh, will factor into those Israeli Elections. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm joined tonight by Jason Miller, the former senior communications advisor for the Trump campaign, as well as the former communications director for the Trump transition. Now he is a managing director at Teneo Strategy. And also joining us her first time on the program, Varshney Prakash. She's a Boston native, unfortunately a New England Patriots <laughs> football fan. Uh, and she is also the executive director, more importantly, the executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement, which was truly, folks, the organization uh, of, of people who organized Uh, really at the start of the the push for the Green New Deal. Remember that sit-in in in Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office uh, where progressives urged her to do something about the Green New Deal? Well, Varshney was at the forefront of that as she was also Senator Ed Markey's guest to the State of the 2019 Union Address. All right, folks, so where do we pick it up? Because we were talking earlier about... Uh, All of the different policy debates that are happening, and we're talking about trade, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin as well as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer continuing those U.S.-China trade talks this week. Meanwhile, the auto CEOs are descending upon Capitol Hill this week, meeting with lawmakers, trying to figure out what's going on with tariffs in particular. The president has said In terms of, Jason, the last time you were here, I was asking about enforcement mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Well, the president now says maybe those enforcement mechanisms for the Chinese are going to be tariffs. And he's nudging the EU and poking and prodding the EU and saying we also might have some tariffs on that front too. Bring us up to speed. I understand you were just in China or you're heading to China?
2: Uh, Heading to Hong Kong later this evening. So I'll be there there tomorrow, uh, but spend a lot of time in the the trade space here. I think uh, to really boil this down, put this in simpler in simple terms, what the current debate is uh, right at this moment is over the enforcement mechanisms around the industries of the future. As we talk about U.S. AI and robotics and manufacturing and semiconductors and all of these uh, different industries that are going to really dictate. Um, uh, the global economy over the next 10, 20, 30 years and the U.S. is trying to make sure that we have a good level playing field to be able to compete on and what the president's trying to do is make sure that he's then able to go to American workers and say I got you a better deal so we're sending Lighthizer Mnuchin there to China this week and President Trump wants to get a deal done he wants to be able to say that he was the one uh, president who's able to do it Um, you go back and Bush couldn't do it Obama couldn't do it but it will be President Trump is the one that's going to do it. And where they're at right now is it's these enforcement mechanisms, whether it's the monthly check-ins or quarterly check-ins. There has to be the ability to then go and enforce some amount of sanctions or some kind of penalties if there are violations of these because uh, – and again, it's not about – is somebody getting caught in a monthly or quarterly or half yearly uh, interlude? It's about changing the behavior. Between yeah, it's about China- small
1: businesses. It's, right. about, it's about folks who are, who are working in manufacturing or in small businesses. I and mean, we always talk about big businesses, but also the medium-sized companies as well who are really impacted by this. Because if it's one thing to have an agreement, Varshini, but if no one's going to follow those rules of the road, then what's the point in having – That agreement. Farshney, I was at the White House earlier today, and I asked special counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, about where things go from here in a policy standpoint. Enough of the theatrics and the fodder of of the back and forth, you know – between everybody and, and everything, the dust, all that, all that dust is going to settle. But from a policy standpoint, particularly for folks like yourself, as well as business leaders of all sizes, where do things go from here? I want to play for you what Kellyanne told me, and then I want to get your response. Here's Kellyanne Conway.
0: Focus, folks, focus, and let's focus on issues. But you know what? I'm out here constantly. Sarah's at that podium. We've been many places, the president himself. All we've tried to talk about is issues. And you know what you've said to us? We'd love to talk about those issues, but collusion. We'd love to talk about those issues, but Russia. We'd love to talk about those issues, but tweets. That's what you said. I've been talking about What do you want to know? I can hold forth on pretty much any policy issue in that building. What would you like to know? Are you really willing to know it? Because we don't see it. But meanwhile, Secretary Mnuchin, Ambassador Lighthizer, back in China to negotiate trade. USMCA, Congress should come up with a vote on that, Kevin. Let's get the best trade deal we can for America, the American worker, the American industries.
1: So that was Kellyanne Conway specifically talking about the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0. You know this. In the Democratic Party right now, there's this debate. There are some who say, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown's one of them, a uh, Democrat from Ohio, he says, Kevin, that is not NAFTA 2.0. It's more like NAFTA 1.2. There are, ma- <laughs> there are many folks, uh, progressives, who say it is not progressive enough. They are worried about this. You just heard from Kellyanne Conway. She says Democrats pass NAFTA 2.0. Where where are we in this debate? I'm not going to ask you to take a side, but from your vantage point, where is this headed?
3: Specifically on this particular? Yeah. On, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not sure. I mean, it it, it feels to me like many of the what politicians out here are actually concerned about is how do we create jobs for working people in this country and also ensure that they get protected wages, protected benefits, and that they're not losing them to people, you know, that corporations are able to up and leave at any given moment. I don't think that the particular solutions that are on the table right now Go far enough in in actually achieving that, and so I think, I think you know, Trump has made a lot of made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. He made a lot of promises to people, particularly, for example, think about people who work in coal industries who are miners. Said that that he was going to bring back millions of jobs in that industry, and that, it, it, frankly, is, is first of all impossible because of the the, the the way the economy works and also is and, and where investments are made but also is is was simply a lie so
1: for on the issue of, of trade negotiations see, this is what's fascinating is because now the question is we're just ahead of a tw- now we're in the middle of the 2020 re-election cycle and all of these negotiations that have gone on now for two years with various countries the calculation now for lawmakers especially on these trade deals like mm-hmm. NAFTA 2.0 or USMCA, one of the same folks, is do we, if, if you're a Democrat, do you get on board with this? Is this as good as it gets? Or do you wait, say, hold on, press the pause button, we're going to take control and we're going to start all over? That's the debate, right? Right.
3: And I think, I mean, at this moment, this is actually why. We're seeing such a robust conversation about big policy ideas right now, right? We are seeing, um, for example, like we have Trump in the White House who uh, – for so from my vantage point of working on climate policy, we have Trump in the White House who's essentially been a climate denier. We have a, a climate-denying Senate that's, control, uh, that's a, uh, controlled by the GOP. And this is the moment to actually put forward the bold policy ideas that if we can get power in a few years from now, we'll actually – coming to fruition. coming
1: time. up I'm going to stump everybody because I think I'm going to find another area <laughs> where uh, Varshney and Jason agree on. They're going to stick around. I think both of them want to see this debate on or the vote rather on the Green New Deal that is coming. Mm-hmm. I think I think both of them want to see every lawmaker on the record but for very different reasons. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on radio Dot com and iHeartRadio. We're going to talk about this upcoming Green New Deal vote tomorrow. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg
3: 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
1: Keith Urban on Monday. Who doesn't need a little Keith Urban on a Mueller Monday? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are talking all things trade policy, all things Mueller fallout. And, yes, the Green New Deal, there's a key vote coming up this week in particular, and we've got just the panel to help guide us through it. Her name is Varshney Prakash. Remember her name, Varshni Prakash. She is the executive director and co-founder of Sunrise Movement, the organization that really launched and helped to launch the Green New Deal. Deal. Have you heard of fossil fuel divestment? It's all originating amongst uh, these uh, individuals who are really at the forefront of this push that has sh- sh- shaken up not just Washington, D.C., but also the energy sector as a whole. Uh, she uh, was really one of the driving forces uh, behind that sit-in at Nancy Pelosi's office in November that helps to push for the Green New Deal. And Jason Miller, friend of the program, former senior communications advisor to the Trump campaign, as well as the Trump transition. Now he is a managing director at Teneo Strategy. He was very kind to stop by in our studio before he hops on a, a brutal flight uh, <laughs> a, a, around the world. Uh, to to go right into the U.S.-China trade talks. So we appreciate uh, you being here as Secretary Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer are over there now. Uh- well you 'll find out what they 're talking about, but Varsni, we were talking in the break, and I thought this was really interesting because you uh, are one of these activist Democrats who have really uh, changed the the parameters and the, the political goalposts, so to speak, of the debate for Democrats that they 're having and I asked you what was the worst day in, in for you personally as you 've had this meteoric rise to the to the eye of the storm of democratic politics.
3: Yeah, and uh, so it was actually right around when a, a group of, of eight- or nine-year-olds plus a bunch of teenagers um, asked Diane Feinstein to back the Green New Deal resolution. That viral
1: video. Yeah,
3: that was um, that was this. us alongside uh, other partner organizations based in the Bay Area. And um, yeah, it was this really hard moment where at, all at once we were sort of illuminating this this sort of hypocrisy amongst the Democratic Party where people said that they really cared about climate action but weren't taking substantive measures to really do something about it uh, and then we recalled you know like Project Veritas of the left and like Russian propaganda tools and all of these things and I think people really like could not believe that a, wow. a darling of the Democratic establishment was being challenged wait,
1: wait, wait, but I also <laughs> think this is where we can find more agreement between Varshney as well as Jason Miller because you said you were accused of being Russia propaganda Propaganda. jason the campaign was accused <laughs> of being Ru-
2: russia propaganda Yeah,
3: i'm not sure if the comparisons are exactly <laughs> <Maybe>. the same <laughs> but <laughs> maybe well, maybe not exactly i will say that
2: uh, that whole interviewer with the um the kids going to senator feinstein i mean they actually made me like senator feinstein for a few minutes and i found myself rooting for senator feinstein i was like what's going on <laughs> i mean he, here's here's the thing is i think that uh, strong advocates like Varshney or some of the freshman elected representatives, including Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, have been almost too successful. And I think that's hurting the overall debate coming from the left. And I I'll explain what I mean by that. <laughs> so, Kevin, we're not sitting here having a conversation about – electric vehicles or carbon capture and storage and what we're doing to change some of these trends, the national debate right now is about getting rid of cows, banning planes, making sure every building in the U.S. is retrofitted over the next 10 years. And so while Varsity will jump in and push back and say it's about more and you're only getting part of it and and do the counterpunching, the fact of the matter is the loudest voice in the Democratic Party right now is AOC. But the loudest voice in the Republican Party is Trump. We have less than in a minute,
1: and I know you've got a flight to catch, and I wish we had more time. Bloomberg, I wish we had more time. Varshney, I want to give you the last—we have 30 seconds, so I can't even give you the last word. I apologize, but <laughs> but I will say that I at least—we did find some common ground uh, between Jason uh, and Varshney. I really want to thank both of you for coming on. We are up against a hard break. That's it for me. Check us out on iTunes. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg one.